This Week in Retronauts, an episode 10 years in the making. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 79, wow, I got a number at this time, of Retronauts. I'm your host, Jeremy Parrish, and this episode is kind of a companion piece to the Retronauts 10th anniversary episode we did recently and the upcoming We anniversary episode, also 10 years. Yeah, you're uh, saving me some time. Yes, mm-hmm. this, uh, this, kind of, uh, this kind of ties everything together. It's the 10th anniversary of Virtual Console episode, or as we're calling it, 10 shitty years of virtual console. <laughs> so, of course, it's classic Retronauts here. It's me. It's Chris Kohler. It's Bob Mackey. Hello. And we're going to complain about virtual console. You guys, I'm sorry, introduce yourself so Hello. people can have a voice to associate with the, the words. I'm Bob Mackey. If you put all those 10 years together, there was probably one good year. Smash them all together. <laughs> condense them. I'm Chris Kohler. I'm Wired's games editor and the original virtual console hater. The OG. That's true. Your, your the... column was called Virtual Consolation Prize. It certainly was. It certainly was. Yeah, from the very beginning. Although hey, we... That, that first week, right? Mario Brothers, right? That was the first week? Oh, my God. What was the first week? I guess week? we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a real mess. Wow. I mean, the first week that it happened... Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we got we to start somewhere. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe so not let's, there. Let's, let's go to the Wayback Machine, mm-hmm. back to October, November, November 2006. Oh, God. I have to warn myself to not go to grad school. <laughs> it's, not, it's not too late. Um, you should loop yourself. So the Nintendo Wii has just launched, and with it comes the Virtual Console. And about the same time, I had the dumb idea to make a podcast about old games. And by an amazing coincidence, these things dovetailed nicely. I don't. I think it was a coincidence. I don't think I had any masterful scheme in mind. I was can, just like, Duh, okay, lucky. You can actually go back in time. I think episode four or five was about like virtual console services. You can hear the anticipation and excitement about the possibilities. We Slavering, yeah, it was, right. We had so much. There was so much potential. So many ideas that could have happened, and they didn't. But for a while, virtual console was okay. Um, for like the first year or two, they were releasing like five new games a week, and you know when when the system. The Wii launched with Virtual Console. There were about, uh, it was like 18 games all at once. So it was kind of like this buffet at the beginning. Um, you mm. could play Zelda and you could play Virtual Console games. And there were some other games, but they weren't very good. But you had all of this stuff, like these classic games a lot to go along with Twilight Princess. And that was a pretty good sales pitch for Wii. And if, you know, Virtual Console had continued at that five games a week pace... Imagine how many games Just would be imagine. out there. imagine. <laughs> yeah, it would be incredible. But I don't think the long tail turned out to be quite as fluffy as they expected. It was longer and stringier. Nintendo was more into the short head than the long tail, as it turns mm-hmm. out. Yes, yes, so, yes. And they didn't want to take advantage of ways that they could sell that long tail of, of products, which we'll get into. Do you Virtual think- Console was only a disappointment compared to... It's every other digital potential. Oh, yes. Oh, right. And and everything else that everybody ever did. Yeah. Do you think the uh, Famicom and NES minis for the Game Boy Advance was sort of like the uh, Nintendo testing the water to see if there was a market for this? Do you sure. feel that way? I don't even think it was testing the, the waters because I don't think at the time that those 
cartridges came out like in 2003, 2004, Mm -hmm. the idea of like a virtual marketplace for video games on consoles really existed. Steam didn't exist. I just just meant the idea of like buying an old game again, you know, for a new system. Yeah, so I've I've talked about this before, but if you look at Nintendo's history, there was a history of kind of churning out old games, and I actually think they sort of stumbled into the appeal of classic games by accident with Animal Crossing yeah. because you could oh, right. you could just play <laughs> unlock and play games for free in Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. and people really liked it. But they and made I, them they made them impossible to get. Like they were so hard to collect. There were they, I mean they built in all these NES games into the Animal Crossing, and the data was located on your disc. But it was so hard to get them all. I remember. Um, I mean, we always talk about the shop in Akihabara called Friends that we all know and love. And I remember going there, and they would have signs. Up that say, if you bring us your memory card in Animal Crossing, we will hack your save file to open up all of the Famicom games. Oh, I was if actually that's something that you want. I was working at a software, etc., and a friend of mine did that with a Game Shark. He unlocked all the Famicom yep. games or the NES games yep. on my yep. card, including the two you couldn't get legitimately. Or, right. I think that was yeah. Punch Out and Zelda. Uh, either yeah, Punch Out or Zelda, Punch Out or Mario, Super Mario Brothers. I'm not sure which ones they were. Yeah, Punch Out was one of them. But that became a big draw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, I the, think... and then the Famicom Mini line of the you know one game per cartridge on the Game Boy Advance um, was very popular in Japan. I mean, the release <laughs> here was crappy, obviously, um, as the well, NES yeah, Classic series. We 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 got a watered down version of that whole series. We yeah. didn't get accurate. Like, yeah, the appeal of the Famicom right. Minis was that they were in beautiful little reproductions of the boxes. There was a lineup of like thirty games. Yeah, it was, we got you know half that many games, and they were just in kind of like standard Game Boy boxes with the black box artwork on them it was and it was it was just a subset of what had come out in japan right so they didn't actually make any sort of an effort to do a similar line Mm -hmm. but in the u.s they didn't go after the games that were popular here um and and release those yeah Uh, so where does the e-reader fit into god's plan well i I feel like i I feel like you know they stumbled onto this thing by accident with animal crossing it became popular they were like how can we sell this so they said what if we sold them for five dollars a piece as paper cards that you read through a scanner (laughs) and that was dumb and all the games that were on e-reader were like super simplistic you know early black box like simplest kind of nes rom there was you know if you had to scan a game 10 times that was a pain in the ass but if you had to scan a game that was four times that big you were like doing 40 (laughs) swipes no nintendo tried to fight emulation by yelling at you if you used an emulator like that was that was their whole plan. Uh, it was like you. It is illegal to play our copyrighted Nintendo games on an emulator. It's like okay, sell me Super Mario Brothers. No, um, we'll actually never well, punish you. There's for playing Super these Mario games Brothers either. Deluxe yeah. for Game Boy Color. Please buy that. Right, and that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to bring back these games um, in when in ways that they felt that that they should bring them back. That meant upgrading them or or whatever. Which of course was Nintendo's right, but. It started, I think the Famicom Mini and Animal Crossing was the first indicator to Nintendo as a business that, yeah, actually, it's not just crazy people out there who like to play these old games. Like, there really is a business um, in in selling people old games. And then, you know, when the Wii was able to connect to the internet and download files, well, great. Like, now there's a method by which we can do this. And so Nintendo, from the very beginning, when they announced the, I believe when they announced the revolution at E3 and started talking about it, even before mm-hmm. they had shown the controller, they announced Virtual Console. And they mm-hmm. followed that up by saying that Genesis and Turbo Graphics games would also come to the Wii. And then it became 
uh, of uh, an old game paradise right. because it wasn't just Nintendo's platforms. It was like, oh, geez, like every old video game of any distinction might actually be downloadable on the Wii. How exciting. Yeah, there was there was a lot of anticipation, like like we've said before. Um, and it really was this kind of evolution of Nintendo's sort of grasp of its own intellectual properties and the nostalgia appeal of its brand. Because, you know, in, in Japan, they pushed the 20th anniversary of the Famicom pretty hard in 2003. And the Famicom mini series for Game Boy Advance was part of that. And they released like, you know, a special Game Boy Advance SP that had the Famicom colors and there was like a rare giveaway that was in gold. And, you know, they that was the point at which Nintendo suddenly was like, well, we're making all these new games, but people really like the old ones. And I mean, you could make an argument that that was the point at which like the Japanese games industry started to sort of. I don't know, like come to a standstill in some respects and uh, refuse to march forward. I don't think that's entirely fair, but, but, you know, it was kind of the cusp of like people realizing there's, there's a lot of appeal in looking back. And so virtual console was in theory, the ultimate expression of that, because here was your current console and here was the ability to buy any classic game you wanted just by going online and spending $5 or $8 or whatever and downloading it immediately and being able to play it and using like a variety of great controllers that uh, perfectly or effectively recreate the experience. Yeah. Um, and Virtual Console on Wii was pretty good and uh, just never kind of, uh, it, it tapered off. It didn't work out. Well, the the bummer, um, you know, that we often talked about on the show was that um, Virtual Console in Japan launched with the the biggest of the big games. I forget what the Japanese launch lineup was, but it's like they led with Mario and Zelda and Contra and all of the games that you really, really wanted to play. Um, whereas in the United States, the the mentality was from day one, let's screw them. Let's leech as much money as we possibly can from our players by the method of let's release the games they don't want so they'll buy those games. Then later on, for an extra little sort of PR kick, we'll release the games that are sitting around, done, but we'll release them later on. And so this thing did not launch with Super Mario Brothers in the U.S. Oh, not yeah. launch with Super Mario World. Not launch with A Link to the Past. All games that were available day one in Japan, done, finished, launched with, in the U.S., Donkey Kong, <laughs> F-Zero, <laughs> The Legend of Zelda, okay, Mario okay. Brothers, bleh, Pinball, Double Thumbs Down. No, Sim come on. Well, Pinball, though. It's all right. It's a Sim fine game. Sim City, all right. Soccer, Barf, Solomon's Key, and Wario's Woods. They literally picked out the the most boring games in the in the window of launch lineup games that they could have released, and that's what they shipped with with Virtual Console. Then it was just this this just indication that the I feel like the um, the mentality that was within Nintendo of America, and then what the hardcore whales wanted because I was the virtual console whale, you know, um, yeah. that there was just not, there was not a meeting of the minds as far as like what they were going to do with this, with this service. I, and, I, and we were going to get this weird, like delayed 
drip feed of games. I wonder how much of it is related to the <laughs> fact that we only got a fraction of the games that came out in Japan because keep in mind that during the classic era up through the N64, which is what Virtual Console covered, most games for Nintendo, well, for, for consoles, were being developed in Japan and some of them were Japan-only releases. Some of them were by publishers that no longer have a presence in the U.S. Like, it was kind of inevitable from day one that we wouldn't be getting the same quality and the same number of games. Uh, and actually, you know, the fact that they started releasing import games was kind of a pleasant surprise. That was something I never thought Nintendo would do. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they they drip fed us almost as a matter of necessity because mm. they had a, a wider catalog of games they could lean on for Japan uh, for Japan. Yeah, I also feel like there was a problem with the messaging in that it reached us uh, nerds, but the normos may have not known about this. Like, I'm just curious mm-hmm. as to how mm-hmm. many people never clicked that virtual console icon because I feel like I think it's this has been mentioned before on the show, but if they had like Super Mario Brothers on your Wii. And you clicked on it and be like, oh, you can buy more games if you just go to this thing. And I feel like the, the demand would be in greater supply if they let people know, like, this is a function of your system. Right. So if, yeah. like, the game shipped or the system shipped with pre Super Mario Brothers pre-installed and when you launched it, it would always say, like, more great classic yeah. games are available on virtual console. I mean, we knew about it because, I mean, I was reading one up and I was reading game sites and I knew about this. But if you're just a casual person who wanted this new Wii thing, you could yeah. not know about this. It was, it was magical thinking. It yeah. was like, if we put these games on here, people will buy them. It's like, actually, no, that's not how that works at all. And, I mean, I think Sony definitely had that that problem because they, they couldn't, um, you know, the cross-media bar on the PlayStation 3 was this um, sort of like disaster boardroom-conceived, you know, disaster that... Yeah. Presses Japanese executives but doesn't allow you to sell things to people. Um, whereas Microsoft, with the ability to constantly reflash the Xbox 360's menu um, and uh, and sell things to you on those those menu screens, I mean that's why you saw that explosion in digital content on the Xbox. 360. So Nintendo and Sony were really lagging behind, and I think you see that now in the way that they designed the, the shops on the 3DS and the and the Wii U. Um, but the problem is that's like go, they're you know those systems they're trying to solve problems that they had with the the Wii in 2006. You know they're not <laughs> now they're not talking now they're not thinking about the 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 revenue generators of today. But anyway, that's getting a little too too far. Um, but, yeah, I mean, once we sort of got used to the fact that America was just going to sort of arbitrarily lag behind Japan as far as releases went, um, and, you know, some releases started getting out there, at least when they came out, they were good. Like, the the emulation on the NES games was excellent. And, in fact, the, the, the Wii, right, could actually output at those native resolutions yeah, of I've, those I've, games. Yeah, I've mentioned this in other venues, but yeah. I really regret when Wii U came out, you had the option to take all your Wii purchases over to Wii U. Oh, yeah. I really regret moving uh-huh. my hundreds of virtual console games from Wii to Wii U because you're emulating, like, the Wii. There's, like, the, the Wii shell on Wii U, and the system is not capable of outputting at 240p. So you're not getting like true resolution output. If I had stuck things on Wii, like just stuck with that, I would have all these hundreds of games that I could play through component cables on a CRT television and upscale them to like really great quality. And it would have been amazing, but I didn't understand that at the time. So I wasted a whole lot of money. And it's a huge regret. <laughs> I'm not as interested in the that kind of authenticity, but I can never get rid of my Wii U because there's 
um, probably like a thousand dollars worth of virtual console purchases yeah. on it at this point. Well, I mean, it's not even the authenticity; it's the like the quality right, of, right. of the experience. Yeah, you know, if if you play through component cables on a CRT, you're going to get like lagless play. It's going to be perfect. It's going to look like it should, and it's most importantly, it's going to control and and feel like it should. And there's just lag that becomes introduced when you play it on an HDTV, and especially, you know, like there's input lag and stuff with the the Wii U controller and so forth. Right, so yeah. it degrades <laughs> the experience. Yeah, real, real kick in the ass. It's wasn't still it? better than Wii U like, NES emulation. Just, yeah, the the I mean, and, and, and again, we're we're rushing ahead a, a bit, but the the downgrade in some cases, moving from the Wii to the Wii U, was not exactly oh. what I expected. <laughs> Uh, not exactly what I had hoped for. Yeah, not really how it should have worked out. But we we should um, kind of talk about the way it began, which was uh, November 19th, 2006, when the Wii launched. Uh, you had available NES games, Super NES games, N64 games, and Genesis games. Uh, very few of the latter, but they, they were there. And like I said, I think it was like 18 games total that you could play. Um, and then two days later... Weirdly enough, a couple of Turbo Graphics games showed up, and for the first two years, those were the five systems that Nintendo really cultivated, and they were releasing again like four to five games each week. Um, they would usually like give you a good game and some mediocre games and a really bad game. <laughs> so it'd be like one week you'd get Super Metroid and Urban Champion and three other games or something like that, you know. Um, but I, I think they did a really good job of reaching out to third parties at the beginning and oh, yeah, getting time. a huge variety of games from a huge number of publishers. Um, they actually, like, had the uh, the willpower to, like, they were going to everybody mm-hmm. who had, you know, games potentially that could be on this service and saying, hey, what can we do to get your games on this service? Yeah, it was um, an active concern. With, with mixed results. Some publishers were gung-ho. Some were a little bit more reticent. Remember that Square was a – or Square Enix at the time was a a, uh, a late entrant. Um, I remember there was an interview in which somebody was talking to somebody at Square about Virtual Console, and they said, well – um, we don't have the source code for those for those old games anymore, and we'd have to, you know. And it's like, no, you're not recompiling them from source, you you moron. You don't even know what this is. I I did an interview where I asked about Virtual Console, and they were like, well, it's really difficult because you know people don't know how to spend money through the internet, and they they may think that using their credit cards is not safe. Oh I'm my like, God. Uh, okay, it's my like, Amazon account man. stretches back a decade, but sure. Whatever. Right, right, right. Um, so there were definitely some barriers, but eventually even Square, you know, got with it and put Final Fantasy, I believe, one through six on the on the Japanese mm-hmm. store. And then and one, Secret two, of Mana, three, Act Razor. Yep, yep. Uh, Chrono not, Trigger. Wait, did, oh yeah, Chrono Trigger did come on, out. On Wii. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I even haven't. even in cases where Square was selling the DS version of Chrono Trigger, like they even released the original on the on the Wii. God, I need that on my it was, 3DS. Oh man. And, you know, again, speaking of the sort of downgrades, um, 
Square is they they are putting stuff on Virtual Console Wii U in Japan. In Japan, yep. And it's not coming here. Isn't Chrono Trigger on 3DS in Japan? It's oh, is it? No, I don't know. Is it? It might be. I I, I seem to remember it. something like that. Really? I there's thought like, they were just there's oh, something there's something they did 3DS. that was really heartbreaking. No, it's not on 3DS because Square is not involved in this so far in this uh, Super Nintendo games uh, on 3DS thing. That's just, that's that's Nintendo Capcom Konami and. Uh, Jalico? No, 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 no. Nintendo, Capcom, Konami, and but not Square. Mm. Um, oh, Atsume? Maybe, maybe. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, still totally mind blown that like these games that would be perfect for the Wii U gamepad, extensive role playing games, for some reason are just sitting on the Japanese store and. They're not here. And the thing is, I think it's because across the board at Nintendo, they don't really care about Virtual Console anymore. Yeah. They stopped caring about Virtual Console when they introduced WiiWare. I think they felt like Virtual Console was like the training wheels for doing like original digital content. And and we absolutely saw that happen. As soon as Nintendo introduced WiiWare, um, Virtual Console got cut back. Um, and it got cut back to like almost, it, it was, I remember like the first week when nothing came out and it was like, well, great. You, mm-hmm. you did it. Everybody. The dream is You've dead. got a couple hundred games on this service <laughs> and that must represent the entire history of it. There's nothing else to put on the service anymore. Congratulations. I remember in, in something like 2008, Nintendo had a job opening for basically what sounded like the person who was going to manage releases for their virtual services like mm-hmm. on Wii. And I thought I should apply for this job. I wonder if, like, if mm-hmm. I had if I had gone there, would I have been able to say Virtual Console? Nope. Or would I be crying myself to sleep every night? They just kept using the same dartboard. <laughs> it was cheaper. But they, you know, even even after ne- um, sorry, after Turbo Graphics came out, like I said, it was about two years before they introduced anything new. But they did continue rolling out new systems. Yeah. Uh, for another several years, Tur- um, Neo Geo in October of two thousand eight, uh, Master System in March two thousand eight. Commodore 64, that was the weird one because that was the unique to the U.S. and Europe yeah, version. Yeah, clearly they were trying to think, okay, well, how do we expand this so that we can, you know, uh, capitalize on the nostalgia of people who aren't necessarily, you know, Japanese video game fans. It was a, it was a noble effort. It was, it was a weird effort. Yes. Like, it just, it never felt quite... Like, that was the way things were supposed to work. Yeah. It's, also, it's nice that I could buy Boulder Dash and play the original Boulder Dash, but, yeah, just C64 games on a console, that's strange. All of these games have been delisted, by the way, yeah. uh, for a long time. There's, I'm yeah. looking at a list. There's some strange – I mean, I understand, like, Ninja Turtles being delisted, but, like, Final Fight is delisted and SimCity for the SNES is delisted. And well, it was just on too. Wii. Yeah. yeah, there's some – yeah, some of the stuff on Wii got delisted, um, but then it's available – Final Fight is available on 3DS and the Wii. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so that's just why. something licensing-wise going okay. on. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, how how long do you think Nintendo's going to leave that Wii eShop open? Like, that thing is going to close soon. I was yeah. still buying things even with my Wii U. I had to, like, downgrade my uh, Wi-Fi security to activate the store via <laughs> yes. my Wii to download Chrono Trigger in the yeah. Wii uh, shell. It was so And so again, bizarre. that was that was a real – I mean, God, I – I can't believe that the Wii U was not built with with at least some idea in mind that it would at least <laughs> run all these old games as well. As, I mean, really, like, 
when I first saw the Wii U, it's like, oh, great. Now I can finally play all my Wii games on this really cool little screen because it's backward compatible. Oh, no. Wii games can't output to that screen. Oh, virtual console games can't output to that screen. Like, that was going to be the perfect use case. And it's like, really? You can't even do that? You have to boot into the Wii menu and it can't access the screen? Like, I think it can now, but you have to use another controller no. outside of the screen, right? So, it, it, the, it, yes, it can display the games on the screen, but you cannot use the right. control pad. So what's the point? Even though if you download through the Wii retail games that you can download on the Wii U, if those use the classic controller, apparently you can use the controls on the gamepad wow. to play those, apparently. Um, so it's like they have the magic solution to let you play virtual console games on the gamepad with the controllers, but they're just not doing it, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. That's great. But then they can resell us the games and have us pay an upgrade fee or a downgrade fee in the case of (laughs) NES games. Zoom. um, So that we can play them on the gamepad. But then it's only a a subset. Now, they did. They actually did. It will give Nintendo credit over the past few years. They actually did release a few games on the Wii U that were not available on the Wii. But it's not a lot. I'm not going to read all of them. But, I mean, obviously, I'm... There are a few good ones. I am super happy... Like, legit, like, come on. They went back, they found the prototype of Earthbound for the NES of the original Mother, and they took their prototype and they released it on the Wii. That's wonderful. That's unbelievable, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Nintendo. You finally get it. Sort of. A little bit. Um, Like, perfect. That's awesome. They released Earthbound, they they released Mother... Uh, Capcom, as we kind of said, uh, got really into virtual consoles. So Gargoyles Quest Two, Mighty Final Fight, those those came out. Yep. They actually released the Adventures of Bayou Billy once they once they figured out how to use the Wii remote as a as a light gun. That oh, was did they? I, I missed out on that. Yeah, Adventures of Bayou Billy. Wow, I totally that totally passed it's me by. I know, ah, crazy. Um, Super Nintendo got Breath of Fire, Castlevania Dracula X, Demon's Crest. Earthbound, Mega Man 7, and X3. Um, Some of these games are, like, really hard to find, very expensive. Mega Man X3, the cartridge sells for, like, $300 now yep. because Super NES collectors are monsters. Yeah, but it's clear that um, it's it seems like the onus is now on the publishers yeah. to go to Nintendo and bang down their door and let them get yep. their games onto virtual console. Like, Although, how do you explain Konami? Konami wants to do it, apparently. Yes. They're like, well, we don't care about new video games, but the old ones, those are easy. They'll sell you the old ones. Yeah. Whatever. Except Contra. You know, maybe not caring about new video. Yeah, okay. Something something is clearly up with Contra that has never appeared on Virtual Console, even though Super C has. There's got to be some kind of rights issue. They put Contra Contra in Contra 4. Yeah. I have a similar uh, Yoshi's Island conspiracy theory where something is up. And no one will ever know, but that mm. game will never be playable again. In any there, format. there are new super, no super FX games on any virtual console. That's service. right. That's right. So they and never were able to either. I mean, you can emulate it. So like, I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, I reached out to uh, Dylan Cuthbert mm-hmm. on Twitter and was like, "Do you know what's up with that?" He was like, "Well, it's not a rights issue, so mm. it's an effort knows? issue. Maybe it I could don't be. Know. It could be, but it's like you figure Yoshi's Island would be the game that would get them to expand it. Like Star Fox, yeah, nobody's really gonna buy ten frames a second Star Fox and Virtual Console, right? But like, 
Yoshi's Island. That that's a, represents that's a, a tour big de force for Super NES. Yeah, it's a very yeah. important game. Too. And so there must have been some reason why they weren't able to to make that happen. But they did make a lot of things happen. I mean, in those in that period of three years where they were actually trying, like they released Sin and Punishment here with English subtitles that were added. Um, you know, the imports I think was a really cool thing. They you know released Dracula X. Dracula X. Oh yeah, I mean that was. The, you know, the library of TurboGrafx CD games, like it's it's sad that it's sort of hidden in the Wii menu and that you can't play them on the on the gamepad entirely. But like, you know, even now you can literally load up your Wii U and you can go to Virtual Console and you can play Ease 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. That's you, the first time I played those games. Yeah. it's You can play uh, Fighting Street, the original Street Fighter. You know, you can download that onto your Wii U through the through the Wii menu, basically. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there if, if you are willing to look at Wii Virtual Console in aggregate, we're, we were complaining about it on Retronauts for years because on the weekly drip feed, yeah. it was frustrating. But in aggregate, like if you look at all the games that have come out for that system across all the platforms, it's something like, what, 400-odd games? And maybe more than that. And some of them are like things that really deserve to be explored and discovered. Some of them are games that are extremely hard to find, extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Some of them are games that had never come to the U.S. before. It's it's a valuable service. It's frustrating that it's locked now behind, um, you know, it's either tied to a dead system, and if you buy a Wii now, it doesn't actually go online. Right. Or through, like, kind of a, a sub-menu of the Wii U and... You know, I've I've transferred the rights to all those games to Wii U, but downloading them is such a pain in the ass that I still haven't actually downloaded them. And I need to spend just a couple of days sometime and do nothing but download Wii Virtual oh, Console man. Game after the, Wii Virtual Console Game. And everything was just – there was there was no looking forward to the future with the Wii because as soon as you filled yeah, up the, the fridge, fridge. – <laughs> That was me, by the that way. That was you. That, that was, was me. Perrin Kaplan and yep, you. To me. Uh, me complaining about Virtual Console and the horrible resp- – you know, sorry, Perrin. The horrible response of if you have too much food in your fridge, you have to throw out <laughs> some food before you can get more food. And then Nintendo eventually abandoned this and they worked on getting the SD card menu working. And so then it was like, oh, okay, sweet. Got all these games in my SD card. I just transferred all the rights over to my Wii U. So I'll take the SD card and I'll pop it. No, 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 no. I'll pop it into the SD card reader on the Wii U. Then I go into the Wii menu and <laughs> boop, 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 boop. All of my games that are on the SD card pop up in the SD card menu. It's like, oh, look at this. All my games, they're here. I'll try to play one. You do not have the rights to play this game. Had to literally re-download and delete them all and then re-download every single freaking game from that. Uh, th- that interface, that shop interface when you're trying to re-download stuff, it's like trying to buy 99 antidotes in Final Fantasy 1. <laughs> but, but Watching worse. the animation play every time. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Going through four clicks to do it and then literally just just sitting there watching it download. Like, it's what, like, what is it, my zip code? What is my county? Yeah, complete and utter downgrade ridiculousness. And then, of course, we kind of figured, it's like, okay, well, okay, yeah, sure. So they dripped games out, and then they kind of stopped doing a lot of games in 2010. But now that the Wii U is out, they can take what they had and they can build on it. Oh, no. They're going to drip feed out the same games again, starting from Super Mario Brothers and working their way down. But but you like get... Like, we're supposed to be excited. You get a save excited, point. No, you get but a save you get point. A, a save point now. 
Yeah, point. saves are no longer in the honor system. You can actually save scum on the Wii U. <laughs> yeah. And, like, before. I get it. They test these games. Like, mm-hmm. I really want to be clear. I, I think in the beginning, I think when we were looking at these, it's just being like, oh, well, you just, you know, you just dump the ROM. It's like, no, they actually do. They test these games. They make sure that there's nothing in there that is going to cause a rights problem, like company logos and stuff like that. Like, they do edits. They do tweaks. They they kind of tweak the emulator that's, that each game is packaged with to make sure the game actually works. They really do test each one like a product. Um I don't necessarily think that's the way to go with these products, uh, especially in an age when you can just update it after the fact. I and but and and then also really looking at um, what Sony was doing with P. I mean, PS One archives in Japan was the gold standard. After a few years of of PlayStation uh, Three being available in Japan, they had. I, mean, I think they got up to like a thousand games. Was they it that just, many? They just, oh my God, PS1 archives in Japan. They just dumped so many games onto that platform. Just game after, just entire libraries of publishers would be would be dumped on there. And it was just, it was the, you know, glory days. Sony, of course, in America barely gave a crap. Um, you know, so it was really just restricted to PS1 you know, owners in Japan, although you could, you could log on to the Japanese shop, but that was, if you look at PS1 archives and you just look at how many games got released, it's, it's astonishing. And that's, that's what I wanted virtual console (laughs) to be just a a huge dumping of stuff, but it, alas, it was not to be. Now, the, the other thing is I, I was playing like Final Fantasy V on a PlayStation Vita and, um, apparently it just crashes during the ending. So, so you get you know you pick you your to, poison. You have to really commit to uh, to getting that crash though. Yeah, it's it's your reward for powering through. Right. Yeah, so um, there's one other console, well, actually two other consoles that were, uh, or systems or platforms, let's say platforms, available on Virtual Console that we haven't mentioned. Mm. One was in Japan only, and that was MSX. Oh, yeah. Also on the Wii U. Also on Wii U. Yep. Actually, it's also on, uh, no, it's not, never mind. And that, I mean, that just seems like a no-brainer to me to bring those to the U.S., like... There's there's nothing. Yeah, you most need of to those do. games. It's like MSX Contra. English. There's I mean there's good MSX games that are that are on the Wii U mm-hmm. right now. Again, rare games. Yeah, you can't games play like, elsewhere. Games like, like Nemesis. It'd be cool to play those. Yeah, like it's this kind of they weird little splinter family of Gradius. They don't need to be translated. There's no rights issues. It's just it's Konami owns the whole thing. If there was any rights issues, they wouldn't you know <laughs> they wouldn't put it on the the Wii U in the first place. It's just very frustrating. Yeah, and then uh, there was Virtual Console Arcade. Which oh, was yeah. weird because yeah. that was like a, a key point at Satoru Iwata's GDC right. 2009 speech. I was sitting right there like in the front like watching him talk about all this stuff. They showed off spirit tracks for DS I think at that one. And then he like went into this big spiel about Virtual Console Arcade and how they'd gotten all these partners and they were going to release so many games. 
It ended up being like 20 games, maybe. And it was mostly Bandai Namco. Like yeah, or Tecmo. We put Ninja Gaiden on here. It's the crappy Ninja Gaiden you don't like. We finally got Rygar on Virtual Console, but it's not the good NES one. It's the arcade game. Mm. Um, yeah, it was like, I remember them showing the Blizzard Activision logo, and I thought, wow, that's going to be cool. They'll get stuff like RPM Racing and Blackthorn, and who knows what else. No. No. They didn't do anything, actually. No, I mean, that was really, that, that was just like, that was that was when Virtual Console was just about to end, yeah. basically. Yeah. It was, it was really weird. It was like this new initiative that they launched very publicly, like, those GDC speeches that Iwata gave always were, like, momentous events. I mean, that was the year that, a few years before that, they ha- handed out free copies of Brain Age to every attendee. Wow. And that Very game became, yeah, that game became enormous for Nintendo. Um, so you kind of expected that sort of momentous event to happen, but Virtual Console was not momentous. It was, like, more, like, ominous. It was a portent that uh, foretold the virtual console's doom. I think uh, you guys are talking, uh, I mean, I agree with you in every in every respect, but I think you're actually seeing this from a different perspective than I did because uh, you guys got your Wii's, like, at launch, I'm going to take it, right? Both yeah. Yes, I'll talk about that in the Wii episode. Okay. Um, I didn't get a Wii, I, or I couldn't get a Wii until, uh, I think, like, February of 2008. So there was no, I mean, the waiting would eventually come, but when I got it, it was like, wow, there's, like, all of these games for me. So... Um, I guess it depends on when you got your Wii, uh, when the disappointment set in. But for me, it was like, oh, there's so much here. And I was like, oh, there's not going to be very much more for me. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's that's totally fair. And I guess if you bought a Wii in 2010, you were like, oh, it's a cornucopia. But there was nothing to look forward to. Right. So early adopters always get screwed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's it's just I, – I just, it just feels like – it petered out, and maybe Chris is right, right and maybe once WiiWare appeared, they were like, oh, there's, there's more potential here with new games as opposed to old ones. It could also just be that, you know, once all of the major first-party titles and all the big games were out, they started to look at sales and said, you know, people keep buying Super Mario Brothers and Ocarina of Time and nothing else. So why are we doing this? Why are we going to the trouble to well, track down, so- like, D4... And, you know, of, like of course. whatever holding company has yeah. all of Jalico and Data East stuff, it's this huge castle and um, doesn't, yeah, didn't everything look, have to be, didn't everything have to be ESRB rated all over? Uh, I think that they, yes. So I it think was a very, they demanded it was a, everything at ESRB yeah, it was a, rated. It was a process. And so that's what drives you towards uh, short head versus long tail. It drives you to a hit driven market, which um, you can do, but... It's, it's not going to be as exciting. So, of course, yeah, they just want to make sure that the hits are out there. The other problem with this is that uh, the, the weird, 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 it was, it was obviously a mistake then. It's clearly a mistake now. The flat pricing mm. by platform for these games. Like, I'm sorry, Super Mario Brothers is worth $5. Urban Champion is not worth $5. I, I would take $5 from Nintendo to play Urban Champion. Yeah. Like, Earthbound is worth 10 bucks, but, like, not every Super Famicom game is worth the 8 that they were charging. We also had the digital and, currency issue where it was, like, you would buy them in increments and you would always have, like, a dollar left over or $2 Oh, yeah, because over. it was – we yeah. had to spend Wii points. It was in that era, it was in that era where they didn't want people spending real money transactions. Yeah. I think but, I still have, like, $2 in, like, Wii bucks that I – just sitting in an account somewhere. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, but, like, if they had just – I mean, how – they could have made more money, I think, a lot more money if – 
uh, baseball was 99 cents. But they just had an aversion to that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because this was a – All um, my children are loved equally. It's hard. It's, it's weird to say this now, but this was a very confident and successful era for Nintendo. Yeah. Um, I don't think this Nintendo would have released Earthbound or Earthbound Beginnings. Uh, the Nintendo of today definitely would because it's like we need all the fans we can get. But back then it's like, well, we're the we're the kings. Um, we're going to do the thing that makes the most money at all times. Um, do you think that's that well, was a result was, of their success? There was something messed up with Earthbound because remember in the the Japanese version of Super Smash Brothers for the Wii, they had uh, virtual console uh, demos. You're right, yeah. and one of them was Mother Two. Yeah. So they clearly meant to do it, and then it just didn't happen. I I I I kind of have a feeling there's something messed up that they had to basically fix before that that, that could happen. Hmm. Yeah. Fortunately, Iwata was able to fix it as he did for everything. He remade the game a third time. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's probably what happened. Iwata probably recoded Mother 2 from scratch. Every every night before he went to bed, he'd like work on repairing the code for 15 minutes and then <laughs> call tonight. But yeah, just to uh again, just to get your just get your blood boiling a little bit. MSX games available on the Wii U in Japan. Salamander, Gradius 2, Gradius, uh Circus Charlie. Okay, nobody cares about that. Go for Go for No Yabo, uh Twin Bee. Um, so a whole lot of Konami shooters. Uh, Akuma Joe Dracula, the first, the you know, vampire vampire killer on the mm-hmm. on the MSX. Uh, Antarctic Adventure, Contra. Um, yeah, this other Is stuff. Metal Gear on there, Metal Gear Two. You know what? They did not do those games. I wonder if I. I, I almost feel like they they feel like those are worth too much money to just put them onto uh, onto virtual console. I don't know. They put them know. in. They put them in the uh, Metal Gear. HD collection, and they're not really. You can still play them now, though, right? Like yeah, on, Vita, on Vita. I yeah. played through the original Metal Gear on Vita. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're they're not available, but I would assume that maybe they could actually do that. I don't know. They should. At this point, they probably won't. Yeah, no. Metal Gear. Yeah, what's well, that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm? Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Metal, Metal Gear. Gear. Yeah. <laughs> So we've talked a bit about, um, you know, the virtual console, especially on Wii, but there are three different virtual consoles, and each one is kind of distinct. <laughs> like, Wii is probably mm. the most uniform. Uh, it has the most systems, but all of them just basically have, like, a really boring standard, that ugly Wii menu with the little 19 or, you know, circa 2001 Apple buttons, the big things you can press with your Wii remote. Um it's it's only been with the later systems that they've started to diverge a bit more. And I think the first time we really saw, I guess, platforms being treated truly differently um, was with the, uh, I want to say, Game Gear on 3DS. Oh, yeah. Because, um, like, they never really talked about who did the, the nuts and bolts work on Wii Virtual Console platforms. I know it was different uh, because... For whatever reason, a lot of TurboGrafx games won't output at four, uh, 240p. They, uh, it's like a stretched two or 640 by 480, and uh, they, you can't put them out in the, the proper original aspect mode and, and data, like pixel mode. Um, so clearly that was done by someone else other than the main stuff. And N64 games would actually up-res 
Uh, instead of being 320 by 240, they actually played on Wii as 640 by 480. Right. Mm. So everything looked a little smoother, had better frame rates. When I recorded and posted some footage of RGB capture of an N64 version of Mario 64, people were like, your your system's messed up. The frame rate's so bad. I'm like, <laughs> no, actually, this is what Mario 64 looked yeah, like. Yeah, we just didn't know Sorry, better, yeah. I hate to tell you. It looked a little framey. But when, uh, when Game Gear came to Virtual Console on 3DS, and that was very short-lived, RIP, um, it was developed by M2, the cool people who do all the awesome Sega stuff, like the Sega 3D Ages uh, for 3DS. And uh, instead of just giving you like the ability to play the games, they gave you a, an abundance of options. You could play the games stretched to full screen size, you could play the games at uh, proper pixel one-to-one size with a Game Gear frame around it. And not only could you play it with a Game Gear frame around it, but you could make the Game Gear frame any of the four colors that yeah. Game Gear shipped in in Japan. Uh, you could you could also emulate the screen uh, ghosting and blur and distortion for a, a truly accurate eye-destroying experience yeah. if you wanted to. Um, and like that that platform on Virtual Console was so much better than anything that had come before. Like, it really made you stop and say, wait a minute, why on a Nintendo handheld is the best Virtual Console actually the Sega system? What's up with that? And then, you know, following that, you started to see more particulars paid to the the individual platforms released, like the, the TurboGrafx stuff on... Uh, 3DS now. There is some TurboGrafx stuff on TurboGrafx in uh, the U.S., isn't it? There's some TurboGrafx stuff on the Wii U in the U.S. It just started. Okay. It's just a couple of games. Maybe it was the Wii U I was thinking of. And oh, it was PC Engine on the 3DS in Japan? No, it was something I played... Uh, I don't know. Anyway, the point is, like, the... The uh, interface design is like really, really different than any other virtual console. It's like kind of a, a more contemporary flat graphic design, uh, with lots of reds and really nice accessible buttons. Um, maybe that was on 3DS. I can't remember. It's it's been a while, but I just remember it was a few months back, and I was taken aback when I saw it. I was like, oh, that's really different. Oh, yeah, there was a very brief dalliance flirtation with PC Engine on 3DS in Japan. Gradius, the Kung Fu, Alien Crush, and R-Type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about Even that? in Japan, these are like fleeting every, moments. Every single time Nintendo talks about Virtual Console on one of its new, you know, machines, it's like, it's, it, they're, they're Lucy holding the football, and I'm good old dumbass Charlie Brown. <laughs> I'm like, sure, you're like, you're like, let me kick it this time. Like with 3DS, it was like, oh, we're going to do all the game black and white Game Boy games. Like, oh, hot damn. That's going to be great. Eh, stopped. Not doing it anymore. Yeah. It's like, oh, Trip World, which we could have eat, which was out in Japan, which we could have easily Europe. put out. There was a European version of Trip World. Right. There's no difference in like PAL and TSC on Game Boy. <sighs> they could have brought that Doesn't to the US. Doesn't need to be translated, but they, but they just. There's no words in that game. Didn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, with the uh, new 3DS, they were like, we finally have the power to emulate Super Nintendo games. Buy this thing. That's an extra feature. And that's yeah. been kind of lackluster, too. Yeah. I mean, that's just been a couple of. Uh, they they announced every game for it that they're going to release, and they've released those games. They haven't announced any plans. I mean, geez, like I actually just upgraded back to a three D new three D S XL after 
you know, swearing by the smaller one mm-hmm. because the the smaller one is not comfortable for playing uh, Super NES action games. Oh. I found my hands cramping too much. Yeah. So I gave in and I bought the the Super Mario World model. It's terrible. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like the Super NES on on 3DS, to me that's great. I want more games. I know. Where's Super Metroid? Where's Chrono Trigger? Yeah. But it's a start. I mean, honestly, I don't I don't I I feel like very clearly this Super Nintendo on Nintendo on, on new 3DS thing is like they're getting in, they're making a quick buck and they're mm-hmm. and they're getting out. Like this is not a long-term thing. No. Like they're obviously switching over to the the Switch um as a that's that's clearly their new platform. It's not going to be compatible with 3DS, so that's really what we've got to look to for the future of Virtual Console. Yeah, and and you know, Virtual Console at first was really distinct between platforms, um, by which I mean the Wii Virtual Console was one thing, and then the 3DS Virtual Console showed up, and it was totally different. You had Game yep. Boy games. Eventually, like the next year, they rolled out Game Boy Color. Yep. Uh, you, know, you had Game Gear. Um, there were, of course, the 3D classics. There were, like, those eight games co-developed by Arika uh, that were uh, released. And I consider those virtual console because they kind of are. Like, you don't – you can't play – you can't get Excite Bike for virtual console on 3DS, but you can get the 3D Excite Bike. Right, right. Um, and you can't buy Urban Champion, not that you'd want to, but mm. there is 3D Urban, Urban Champion. Yeah, that was cute. I mean, they thought, like, oh, we'll take old classic games and give them 3D graphics. Yeah, it turned out to be really difficult. No one wanted and... that at all. Yeah, it was – right, right, right. It was it was yeah it was a nice attempt. Yep. And of course there are the ambassador games. Yeah, I was gonna say does that fit? Yeah. The ten the ten Game Boy Advance games that you can play on on 3ds if you owned a 3ds before Nintendo said oh god we have to sell this system. <laughs> so how yeah. what, what they, year was that that they did the was that 2011? 2011. Yeah. So uh, there's like a six if you if you bought the 3ds of, in the yeah. first six months. Yeah. Then you have access to. Uh, to 10, 10 Game, Game Boy, Boy Advance games. games. The way those yep. work, though, it feels like a hack where it's like it you is. can't actually close your... Th- I mean, you can close your 3DS, nothing's going to sleep, No, though. it puts it in Game Boy Advance mode. Yeah. 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 It's, so it's no using the, 3D, the DS that. hardware that's built into the 3DS, mm. which has Game Boy Advance hardware built into it. So it's like basically locking you out of all your 3DS features. Sure, but... And that's not what Nintendo wants your experience to no. be. They don't want you to play your 3DS and have it... Like all the basic fundamentals, like sleep on clothes and street passing, deactivated. So right. that was like a little gimme that they put out there as a thank you. But yeah, that was never, I don't think, ever seen as a like a serious business proposition. I didn't think so. Which either. is ridiculous. They could have, man. They could have made sleep on clothes hardware functionality, right? Like they could have, they could have just like built something in where like if you close your 3ds, it suspends what's going on processor wise, and. And then they could have. I mean, man, I can't. I still can't believe that this thing has the ability to just play Game Boy Advance games. They have the ability to serve up those Game Boy Advance games on the digital shop, and they didn't just say, "Hey, publishers, feeding frenzy." At, at the very Put least, all your Game Boy Advance games on the 3DS. Since they clearly don't mind fragmenting their platform with new 3DS and Super NES games. Like, they could have at least built that in as a feature of of the new 3DS. And who knows? Maybe they did, and maybe they just haven't rolled it out. And maybe that's yeah. – uh, if there's another Switch delay, they're going to be like, well, no, because Switch isn't happening until September, but here's some Game Boy Advance well, games. Well, they put the Game Boy Advance games on the Wii U. Yeah. Because – I don't know why, but that's why. that they, they put the Game Boy Advance games on the Wii U, and that's where you can play them now. Um, and, and quite frankly, it's a good experience. Like, it's it actually is. fun to play that's Game another, Boy Advance games That's another on the platform Wii U. done by M2. Yep. Yeah, and yep. it's high quality. Like it's actually the best 
uh, virtual console platform on Wii U yeah. by far. So now we're just in this really weird holding pattern with with virtual console because if Nintendo, any plans that Nintendo has across the board for for new initiatives are are on the Switch. Right. Right. If there are any plans at all. That's the thing. Wii U and 3DS is just, we're just sort of chugging along right now. Just, there's not going to be any big new initiatives for those consoles. So the question is, what, if anything, is Nintendo planning on the Switch? Yeah, I, we'll, we'll get into the future in yeah, a little bit. Okay. I still haven't com- stopped complaining about Oh, okay, yet. okay. I because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, at first it was very distinct between Wii and 3DS. Mm-hmm. But then they rolled yeah. out the NES games. Yep. And oh, yeah. there was no cross-buy. No. For some reason, and, you had to buy these games all over again. And they knew because you had a Nintendo ID on yes. the 3DS. They're like, oh, we can't confirm. And it was the same three ID that you had on the Wii U. You guys can send me little Mario statues for the points that I redeem based on codes specific to these games. <laughs> mm-hmm. Many of these games I'm getting points for after buying them through your shop. <laughs> And yet you can't confirm that I have bought these games? That seems a little weird. Yeah. So, yeah, that was frustrating. Like when NES games first showed up on 3DS as ambassador titles, along with the 10 Game Boy Advance games. Oh, right. There were 10 NES games. Oh, yeah. And, um, like, it's easy to forget about that because, you know, then they just started releasing those NES games. So that stopped being a special thing. It was like we got some free games, but they're no longer unique. Whereas the GBA stuff is like... There's a little bit of pride attached, I think, to having those 10 games. Like, right. yeah, I can play all the Metroid games on my 3DS, thank you. Or will once Super Metroid comes. Is, is it on? Super Metroid's not on 3DS. Wait, yet, I think it? it is. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I can play all the Metroid games. Mm-hmm. Um, except Zero Mission, but whatever. Anyway, like, the point is, yeah. the point is that you have the ability to play all of these games, and it was cool. And then NES came along as retail, and they just messed it up. They stopped with Game Boy. And they started with NES. And instead of mining the Game Boy library for better stuff, they just started releasing the exact same games again and making you pay for them all. But, I mean, pretty much all the first-party Game Boy stuff came out. So what is there for them to do that doesn't involve chasing down third parties, which they clearly don't have incentive to do? That's that's the thing. I mean, it's like, you're right. Yeah, all the all the first-party stuff is out there, and they, they have no will to... It, it, again, I really feel like it's... If if you, as a third party, if there is a if there is a desire with you, Nintendo will say, oh, yeah, we'll let you do this. Mm-hmm. But they have they are not going out there and hunting stuff down. I mean, the the Game Boy stuff we got was actually... Some of it was kind of cool. Like we got, yeah. Oh, we got one of the Castlevania games, but not both. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> Are you just looking at your library? I have all the stuff, though. Oh, uh, okay. Like we got Avenging Spirit. That game's really expensive. That's we right. got Bionic Commando. That's a great version of Bionic Commando. They're yep. never going to release the. Uh, yeah. Actually, they gave us both Bionic Commandos for Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're never going to get the NES game for whatever reason. Like Shantae's on there. Shantae, that that game's hard That's to right. find and expensive. Yeah. So there, there is some cool stuff on here. Maru's Mission. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's a big missed opportunity. There's even little yeah. gaps, little spaces in my, my lineup where, oh. there's like, where I, left, I left a space oh. because eventually we're going to get Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge, right? I guess not. Oh. That's, that's a shame because that's the only good one. So sad. As of this recording, it's been almost a year since the last uh, Game Boy release, and those were all the, the uh, Pokemon, Pokemon games. games. Yeah. yeah, which were yeah, they uh, essentially cool. brought it back so they could bring out Pokemon again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, many tears. So many. So.
Boy, this is like a gloomy episode. <laughs> There's no uh, hope. Well, again, I mean, there were, you know, when good stuff happened, it was great. I mean, we mentioned Rondo of Blood. We we mentioned, um, you know, imports. We mentioned the fact that, like, you know, Super Mario Brothers 2, The Lost Levels, was finally released here, you know, in its original Famicom form uh, for the first time. Um, all, I mean, there were so many, you know, so many Turbo Graphics games that were thousands of dollars. Legend mm-hmm. of Hero Tonman, The Dynastic Hero, and Air Zonk. You know, that stuff came out. Um, it was, it was just really there. There was a lot of great stuff that came out, but it was like they got they 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 brought out the all the major stuff, and then they just didn't have the willpower to to move forward. And and really not and and not bringing that stuff out. So we played on the Wii U gamepad. Is like I don't know. I mean, Nintendo's. Nintendo brought out the Wii U and they were like, you can play Batman Arkham City on the Wii U gamepad. You can play Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U gamepad. It's like, why do I have the feeling that it would have been more compelling if you had simply made this, as as Ryan Payton said with me on an 8.4 podcast once, made it a Nintendo paradise and made it a fundamental nature of this system to just play the full library of, of old Nintendo content. Yeah, well, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would. Um... There have been a few good things that happened, though. They finally figured out how to get Zapper games to work in 2015. That was something that they promoted before the Wii launch. They did. I remember seeing that in a in a kiosk in their E3 booth before mm-hmm. the, like, 2006, yeah, before was, the Wii launch. They, 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 there was they a kiosk like, that just ran unplayable demos of games, right? right? And, and they had, done. like, a light gun in there. But it was, like, a, if I remember, it was if I'm remembering right, it's the Wii, yeah, the Wii Zapper. Yeah. But it was, like, set up to play, like, pretend to play Duck Hunt. Mm-hmm. And that never happened. That's right. It wasn't until Wii U, 2015, that they finally put out, like, three Zapper games. They put out Duck Hunt at first, and then, of course, they totally... I mean, remember this when... They um, did a good job with Wild Gunman. Well, they did a good job with Wild Gunman, except for they didn't release it on the right day, even but though you Europe did. points for trying. Nah-ish. Uh-huh. Like, Wild Gunman, it was done. It was out in... It came out in Europe, I believe, right in advance of... Um, the day in 2015 when Marty McFly arrives in the mm. future in Back to the Future uh, Part 2 um, and plays, of course, Wild Gunman. And so, of course, in the in the sort of ultimate example of Nintendo's America, don't give them anything until six months down the line strategy, quote unquote strategy, um, they didn't release Wild Gunman that day. That's right. Mm. <laughs> I forgot it was just in Europe. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And we also got Hogan's Alley. We haven't gotten Gumshoe. We did. Uh, and, and you know, and I hope we never do. <laughs> oh come on! That's that's such a weird, interesting game. Yeah, it's true. it's 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 really unique. That's the kind of thing that Virtual Console is made for. Like. Mm-hmm. Maybe not $5, but spend a couple bucks, get gumshoe. Like, here's a really kooky game that Gunpei Yokoi made to do something different with a light gun. It's not just a target game. It's it's a platform adventure. It's crazy. And I, 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 again, that is assuming that you would spend a couple of bucks to get gumshoe, you know, coming back to this idea of, I I, I hope, hope whatever Nintendo does in the future, there is at least variable pricing on these games. That seems unlikely. Oh, God. All right. Anyway, so I think that's uh, that's about it. Oh, there was um, no, no, nothing. I got nothing. All right. So we've talked about a lot of bummers here, but I want to ask you what what was the biggest bummer about Virtual Console? Well, I mean, I've already said it on multiple episodes. I can come up with something else if you want, but uh, it is it really is for me, Yoshi's Island. Um, I've said it before, but I feel like it is a, a very important part of Nintendo history, a phenomenal game. 
uh, by made by very important and great people. And um, the fact that we have the Game Boy Advance port of it, but not the original, is uh, like kind of disgraceful to me. And I don't, I don't, I don't use that word lightly. So. I think that's that's really. I mean, there are lots of games I would rather play, but the fact that um, so much of the core Nintendo developed library is available, but this isn't. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, like Chris said, they should take the initiative to make it happen. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a cost they don't want to pay, mm-hmm. but I feel like um, this could be not a good example. But I'm like. It, it's not going to be easy to do, but if like people that weren't working at Nintendo could have figured it out. I feel like you guys, it shouldn't be the most difficult thing you've ever done, figuring out how to emulate a Super FX chip or how to get that game working for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. I mean, like, teenagers in the 90s did it, so uh, <laughs> knock go. yourselves out. Yeah. I, I played it emulated. Um, that's how most people kind of have to play it these days unless they buy the card and the, that's and right. the hardware. So, yep. yeah. Um, I, you know, I guess just the, you know, the move to the Wii U and everything that came along with it from, uh, from learning that everything was going to be kind of exiled on the Wii menu, uh, that wasn't going to work on the screen, that they were going to start releasing, um, updates of games, but that they were going to really drip feed them. And then that entire consoles would just not be supported anymore. Like there would be no upgrades for Genesis. There would be no upgrades until very recently for TurboGrafx-16. Um, and all the TurboGrafx CD games wouldn't get upgraded. It was just like, crap. Like I, I had invested, you know, I put a lot of money into these into these digital purchases, and I was excited to bring them along to the next Nintendo platform. But yeah, okay, well, you took mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh. okay, so I will specifically say the the death of Sega support altogether. Yeah, like that was to me that was really sort of a moment at which it was like you know the Berlin Wall coming down. <laughs> you could buy. Right, the, a massive Sega Genesis and even Master System library on a Nintendo console. Mm-hmm. That was really great. And then Game Gear came along, and then they just stopped. And they just... And that's... It's stopped. really it's really heartbreaking. There should be Genesis and games you can, I mean, on Wii U. You could get... They translated, and they did what... They did what I wished that somebody would do on Virtual Console, which is to take an old game that never came here that needed a translation, and they hacked a translation into the ROM and they released Monster World 4 here in America on Virtual Console in English. And that's crazy. Like, <laughs> how exciting. I wish that people had done this with Final Fantasy Sagan 5 or something 3. like Oh my God, Sagan and Setsu 3. Seriously, what up? Yeah, like, what the hell? That was what I was hoping. I was really hoping that like they'd build the base of the stuff that was easier. And I understand it's not you know easy, but the stuff that was easier to get out that was basically done... And then they'd start actually working on, you know, using the miracle of digital distribution when the cost of goods is zero to actually start, like, doing some things that didn't happen back in the past. And and But it, it fell to Sega to do it, essentially, you know? And it's like, huh, man, wish Nintendo was putting some of that bajillions of dollars they were making on the Wii and, like, putting some of that towards Virtual Console. Because in the end, they promised us that. You know, they, you know, you can trust them about as far as you can throw them, but they, they stood up in front of people and they said this was something that they were committing to. And they committed to it. Until the un, until 2010, and then they were just like, you know what? Let's just kill this entire business. So yeah, though the one thing I will say though, to kind of as a as a corollary of the lack of Sega support, mm. is that I really like what Sega has come up with as a replacement, which is the 3D Ages co-developed by M2. Yeah, because they're not just churning out the same old game. Like okay, it's Sonic the Hedgehog again, but they add to it and the 
there's a curation element to it that that's virtual that virtual console is lacking. Um, virtual console is kind of just like a here, just shovel up the stuff. <laughs> there you go, you're done. Whereas the, with the 3D Ages, it really feels like people who love these games, even if they don't necessarily deserve to be loved, in the case of Altered Beast, uh, Echo are, the Dolphin. Echo the Dolphin. Somebody exactly. out there loves you, Echo. It's not me. Like, they they love the history of these games. Maybe not the games themselves, but they think this is a piece of history and it's worth doing right. And so you have, like the moment I fell in love with this series was with uh, Super Hang-On, where yes, you can play the game with your controls if you want, but you can also get it in a one-to-one pixel mode where it's kind of windowed. And the window around it is the elaborate motorcycle-shaped arcade cabinet. You can see the periphery of that. (laughs) And then you can turn on the gyro controls just like you would have on that rare and cool arcade cabinet that was shaped like a motorcycle where you drove your, your way through the game by tilting your body. Obviously, you can't have that element of physicality with the 3DS, but what you can do is you can tilt the system to steer and you can see the cabinet border around the one-to-one pixel screen shifting and rotating as you turn the gyro. That's amazing. It's such a great, mm-hmm. loving detail that that did not need to be given to that game, but M2 did. Probably did not make a lot of money doing that, but they were like, this is, you know, this is part of Sega's arcade heritage. It is a game that was released and very few people have had the real experience, but we can give it to you in this in this kind of like simulated form. And if you're willing to like throw yourself into it, you can kind of begin to see what the arcade experience would have been like if you'd ever been lucky enough to come across a super hang-on motorcycle-shaped cabinet. Mm-hmm. And that's like that is an amazing experience that you just never see people do with classic games. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, you have Nintendo who's like, "Here's Yoshi's Touch and Go for Wii U." <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the even the three D the the DS games on three DS at least they give you a lot of options for display. But there is that extra touch of love that the 3D Ages has that I, I would really love to see yeah. more developers do. No one's going to because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Like, I can't believe Sega funded this, and I can't believe that a developer like M2 exists that's like, we have to get this perfect. We have to just absolutely nail not only the the pixels and the sound effects and the distortions and, and shortcomings and flaws, but also the experience of playing. <sighs> they also hacked yeah, every game. They, they hacked the like spin that. dash into, into Sonic One. They did. Like, <laughs> uh, They're not afraid yeah. to make the games a little better. Not mm-hmm. as extravagant. But you as don't have to play with a spin yeah, dash. Yeah, it's optional. You can turn it off. Yeah, you can play it as authentically as you want, and That's that right. is that is what M Two is all about: is authenticity. And so, some of those, and options... even even it's like the impression, the the sensation of authenticity, even if it's I, not the I real. Really, brand. I really, and I do, I really feel like if M Two can last another twenty years, you know what I mean, and really work at it, and absolutely put their best people to this task, they might figure out a way to make Sonic the Hedgehog a good game. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> You should have been on the last episode. <laughs> that, was, that was Sonic the Hedgehog. He but some of, those, some of those options they have are so minute and granular. It's like you have to read the manual to know what they do. It's like, what does this even mean? It's like, you're also giving me a choice between which Genesis uh, system I want the sound to be emulating. Like, yeah, I know. This one, that one. It's like, it, I can't hear a difference, but it's there for people who care. You know, but you know what? When you, when you play the game, if you press start and you just play the game, it's great. 
right? So it's your choice if you really want to dive into that sort of stuff. I have to admit that I don't really do that much virtual console shopping anymore, uh, not just because I've been kind of burned on it, but also because mm-hmm. I've really become interested in like finding the original systems and getting those to play as as like actually I was going to say as as closely you know to the original experience as possible, but actually better like to get the most out of them. And to me, that's more interesting and more satisfying than virtual console ever was. But I do, I do love the, the the Super NES games on 3DS. Like that's something I've always wanted is is 16-bit games that I can play on a handheld, and that aren't crap. Like yes, you can go buy <laughs> like the little clone consoles that play Super NES or Genesis games, but don't don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the 3DS, new 3DS, Super NES Virtual Console is very nice. So that that's that's happy. But yeah. there there is good about Virtual Console, even if we're we're a bunch of gloomy gusses here. I, I, I apologize for that. I mean, Virtual Console came out like 10 years after uh, I was an internet addict, downloading every game, playing every ROM, uh, mm-hmm. playing Japanese games I would never touch, and I would still buy Virtual Console games because investing money in them would actually make me want to play through the whole thing instead of just playing sure. with it for like a minute and moving on. So I play a lot of old games that I could easily emulate, but um, I, I was more motivated to play through them on a TV than, you know, just on an emulator on my computer. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I always find that's the case for me. Like, the closer I can get to playing a game in its original iteration, the happier it makes me, except when it's portable. And that's mm-hmm. just, like, great to be able to play a game in a tiny little handheld version mm-hmm. instead of being tied to a TV. I love that. But, um, yeah, I'm curious. What do you think is maybe, like, name the three best and most essential games on Virtual Console, in your opinion? Oh, boy. <laughs> I would say uh, definitely Earthbound would be one of them. Uh, Monster World 4 would be another. Uh, Earthbound Beginnings is not fun to play, but it's an interesting timepiece, I think. Um, I'm so you're, to not, think you're not going one. so much with, like, best, but games that are most valuable on virtual console. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think okay. of things that um, just, like, momentous releases like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think uh, we were talking about those TurboGrafx CD releases. I feel like um, there's a real value in that because God, I think God help you if you can ever find that hardware that functions in the wild, the TurboGrafx CD. I think that's that's kind of a lost cause at this point. Am I right? Like those CD drives are... I mean, you can get them recapped and they'll, yeah. they'll be fixed up. I, I recently bought a PC Engine Duo R oh, wow. that was like recapped and RGB modded. It was a lot of money, yes. but... Like, uh, it'll work for a long time. So most people awesome. won't do that, though. So right. uh, if you want to play Easebook 1 and 2, like, these games I feel that are kind of lost to time uh, are available for the time being, at least of this recording. So I feel like there's a value in uh, that library where, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, I think most of us missed those games the first time around, and uh, I was excited to play through them for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so those are the most, like, essential virtual console-specific releases. What would you say are just, like, the three best games on there. Well, Earthbound, of okay. course. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I agree. I mean, yeah. I, I, I played through Earthbound on Wii U Virtual Console and kind of the older I get, the, the more I like it. Um, and I actually went back to my fanzine and looked at my review of Earthbound and I didn't <laughs> say it was bad or anything. I just said that like at the, at the time being 15, like 
I I didn't like the graphics. You know, I was like, come on, my Super Nintendo can do graphics better than this. These graphics are bad. Um, I didn't like the inventory system, you know, because I didn't like having to, like, throw things out. Yeah. And I think I got really, um, you know... Uh, uh, obsessed over not liking those two things and said, well, maybe it's not a great game. But then, in, like, the next issue of my fanzine, I was like, you know, I'm really starting to come around on this this Earthbound thing. And then and then playing it on the Wii U was just like, this this is really, this is a yeah. wonderful game. Yeah. I'd say this is so stereotypical of me. I, I, I can't get away from the SNES. Uh, and I'm sure there's other stuff that's worthwhile, but I think of, like, um, that, Super Metroid, Chrono Trigger, probably are the first three games I would download for any mm-hmm. system if they were available. It's just, like, two good RPGs and, like, one of the best action adventure games of all time. Um, if Yoshi's Island was available, I would say that above all, but it will never be, so uh, I still carry that torch. I, man, I just want I just want Secret of Mana to come out on the Wii U yeah. officially so 3DS, I can play 3DS. it on the game. Or 3DS would actually be good too, but I wouldn't mind just playing it on the Wii U gamepad because I don't want to take up the TV for all the time it's going to take me to sit there and grind magic levels. But, like, I really enjoy playing uh, RPGs um, on – especially grinding in RPGs, like, on the gamepad or on a portable system while we're doing other stuff. And I can just sort of mindlessly press buttons to level up magic. I, I've been man, I've been waiting for that game to come out on Wii U and it's just it's ticking me off. I I love Secret of Mana. Okay, it, so, with all its so games flaws, that are, are on Earthbound and well. I mean it's out in Japan. Um Okay. Yeah, great. Which I was gonna go buy a Japanese Wii U, but they're they're never gonna drop the price of these things. Like they're can you get they're them still used so high in cheaply? price? You you can't get them used cheaply. You can get them used, but the, the used price is still like it's way over two hundred bucks. I know. And it's not gonna it's not gonna go down soon because they're they're gonna stop manufacturing them soon. Um, what else did I really sink a lot of time into on Virtual Console? ActRaiser. I played through all of ActRaiser again on the Wii Virtual Console. It's a great game. Um, what did I really play a lot of? And I mean, you know, Zelda: Link to the Past. I mean, come oh, yeah. on, like, okay. you know, that's that's an easy one, and that always gets re released, you know, everywhere. But still, there was a point at which Super Mario World was the best game on the Wii U, like across everything. Like after you know, when they were in that like ridiculous drought mm-hmm. and they they couldn't get any Pikmin three wasn't out yet and just nothing was happening for like three quarters of a year it's like well it's got Super Mario World let's sit down and play play the crap out of this yeah I, I did buy that during that drought yeah <laughs> it was I guess it was one fifty or something because yeah. I had already purchased it of course so yep yeah so do we want to talk about our Gloomy predictions of the future. Okay, but can I can I give my favorites? No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I'm sorry, we forgot uh, to ask. That's you. okay. Yeah, well, it's my fault. Jeremy, what are problem. your favorite games? Well, first, let me let me give you the essential picks, the games you need to buy because holy crap, they're on Virtual Console. You guys already said uh, Earthbound, so mm-hmm. Mega Man X3, uh, yep. Shantae, and Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Like, sure, those those are all great games. Shantae is a little rough, but. Uh, you can see where the series got its start, and it, it, it really does feel like the last great 8-bit game. At least it did until Shovel Knight. Um, mm. So, yeah, I would I'd recommend those three. And then just, like, games that I have to own, definitely Super Metroid, definitely Mega Man 2, and Final Fantasy 3, by which I mean 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that one needs to come to... Uh, 3DS also. Wow, that'd be great. So, yes. Okay. So great <laughs> games. Stereotypical games. We love Super NES. Hooray. Uh, Chris, what was your question going to be? 
the future. Oh, gloomy predictions. Yeah, yes. yeah these notes are so old. It still says NX and not Switch. I, oh man, I added Switch in there. Oh, oh you downloaded I, it. I, I downloaded added that early, earlier notes. Mm-hmm. Let's pull some NX. Sorry, I mean Switch. Speculation out of gotcha. robots. That's my note. Well, we should make a note of the fact before we start talking about Switch that Nintendo has, of course, released the NES Classic Edition. Right. um, Which is the self-contained, you know, Atari flashback style thing, um, which has 30 games, 28 of which are available on Wii's Virtual Console, and the other two are Bubble Bobble and Final Fantasy, games from Square. Wow. Yeah. Bubble Bobble was on Wii Virtual Console. It was on, yeah, but Square was on Wii Virtual Ah. Console. They're not on Wii U in America, weirdly enough. So, and yet they're participating in this, um, which means that Nintendo aggressively went after, this is what happens when Mm -hmm. Nintendo aggressively goes after things that they want. Uh, they can make it happen. Well, a friend of mine said, so, this is their holiday game. This is their holiday oh, it release. Is. Oh, yeah. it absolutely There are no is. games. There's just this thing. And yeah. I think we're all on the same page here because I think we've all <sighs> had the skeptical sort of articles about, like, is this going <laughs> to sell out in the first 35 seconds and then there's not going to be any and they're going to be $500 no, They're going to make like, so many happen? of them. They're going to make so many of them. No, no, no. I mean, for, for, for Christmas, for this holiday season. Right. No, like, I mean, I think right now Nintendo needs money more mm-hmm. than they need sales hype. But there's it's, it's no good. No, no, to no. Have I don't the... think they. I don't think they ever do it for sales hype. They do it. They do. This is, the, I think, the common misconception that they that they do it because they want the news stories about the fact that it, you can't find it. Like I just think they're really conservative and they lowball the uh, the popularity of this stuff. I, I guess they did that with Amiibo. So they I think still they legit. I think they legitimately thought only five thousand people were going to want a Wii Fit trainer. Mm-hmm. And and they totally blew it. Um, and with the NES Classic, I wonder if the wheels were in motion and they're only producing a certain amount of them. I don't really know what's going to happen. But either way, I agree. It is their holiday game. I think it is. I think I've called it the most uh, mainstream Nintendo console since the Wii. Um, and I, I wonder, though, is Nintendo, does this, what does this portend for the Switch? It does Nintendo do, does Nintendo maybe maybe do they want to move their classic gaming onto systems like this rather than doing a virtual console for the for the Switch? Like I don't know. I, I'm I, you know you know what I mean. I don't know either way. I'm just saying like what does this actually mean? Especially because there's a big old logo on the box for the NES Classic Edition. Mm-hmm. If you look at the top of the box. It's a generic logo that mm-hmm. says Nintendo Classics. So clearly indicating this is a this is the start of a new product a line. What does this mean for Virtual Console on the the actual like expensive Nintendo platform? I think it means both and. Yeah, I think okay. Nintendo will never turn down an opportunity to make money on a done deal. Like they don't have to develop Super Mario Brothers again. That game mm-hmm. exists and people will buy it. They will buy it on the NES Classic and they will buy it on the NES Classic 2 next year, and they mm-hmm. will buy it on Switch when Switch Virtual Console comes along, assuming mm-hmm. that it does. Mm-hmm. I don't see Virtual Console going away, especially when you have a system that is effectively like the Wii U and the 3DS combined, and you can play these classic games any way you want. Like, that's a pretty compelling use case. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'd do that. Yes, yeah. thank you. Okay. Right. Not My... having to buy these games separately? <sighs> oh, again? Okay, well, that's so that the, so then it introduces the question of okay, so let's say that they do virtual console on Switch, which I agree they're probably going to, um, and I to whatever level they are committed to it, because I don't really know how committed they're going to be this time around. Like it could be that maybe they're they're you know whiffing it right now on Wii U and 3DS because they're they're really planning a big all virtual console love fest. 
for the mm-hmm. Switch. Yeah. Or maybe they're whiffing it because they don't really care and they're just going to do the exact same thing over again. Then the question becomes backward compatibility. Hmm. It's not... I don't foresee backward compatibility Well, either. excuse me. It can't run the software for the from the Wii U. It's an NVIDIA Tegra chip. It's not going to run the PowerPC emulators yeah. on the... Well, it's just a matter but, of logistics. But from backward compatibility standpoint, what I mean is if that game gets added to the Switch... Um, and they know, again, that your account owns that game on the Wii U or the 3DS, are they going to give it to you for free, which at this point I think they're going to should, uh, or give you a discount? Um, you know, what is what is it going to be like in terms of transferring not the actual software, but understanding that you have the rights to that software on the Switch? And are they going to just make people buy stuff all over again? Yeah, My, I'm concerned about that. My concern about Nintendo is um, the NES Classic is fine. It's not for me. It's not for people like me. Um, I feel like... My concern is that Nintendo is conservative and they have a problem backing away from NES nostalgia where uh, it was like 15 years ago, NES nostalgia, 10 years ago, NES nostalgia, 2016, ah. NES nostalgia. Ah. It's like I, w- I want you to move on mm-hmm. to another yes. era of nostalgia. Like I want the SNES Mini. I'll pay for it. But I've seen these games so many times, really so many times, and I fear that the virtual console for the Switch will be just like, oh, you guys want NES games? Okay, we'll give you all the NES games, and they'll just ignore every other platform. I feel like the NES is all just such a safe place for them to just sit. Um, I'm just very concerned that there will not be an SNES Mini. There will not be, um, you know, as deep as an SNES catalog on the Switch as there will be an NES catalog. Mm -hmm, Yeah, -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's true. Like, right now, I mean, you know, across the collecting community, people have kind of noted that, like, NES retro prices for the original cartridges are kind of staying flat while it's Super Nintendo that's exploding and it's N64 that's exploding. Um, I do think they have to get out an SNES Mini sooner rather than later. I think that is a, would be a really big deal for them if they can do that. Yeah, even with the same limitations of the NES Classic, I would be yeah. more excited for that just because it's a sort of a new frontier of nostalgia for them to explore where they've just doubled down on NES so much yeah. that I'm kind of tired of it, even though I, I'm very, very very nostalgic and I love so many of those games. I'm just kind yeah. of sick of seeing them trotted out so many times. They are, and I hope they understand that they are reaching the end. Like, we are coming up on the end of the cycle for NES nostalgia. Yeah. It started 20 years after the release of the Famicom in Japan. We're now coming up on it's 30, 31 it's 30 years, after the one years after the NES release in America. Like that wave of nostalgia is has has crested, I think. And now it's like, can they take advantage of Super Nintendo nostalgia, as you say, in the same way that they were able to take advantage of NES nostalgia? But I will say that that the NES Classic Edition um, is the right product at the right time, I think, because I've heard a lot of interest in it from people oh, who yeah. do not normally care about video games who are like, oh, yeah, that new NES. Yeah. Like, can you play and cartridges on it? Not only that, so that's bad, the, but... the vast majority of the people who are going to buy that thing, they don't even know about it right now. Yeah, They're you know, literally going to walk into a Target. They they don't read video game news. They've never heard about this thing. They're going to walk into Target. They're going to walk into the video game section. They're going to see that thing on the shelf, and they're going to be like, what in God's name? They're and they're going to take that I think I think they're not even going to have to go to the video game section. This, to me, strikes me as Nintendo reaching out into beyond, like, the specialty retail That's market. That's right. You're going to see it on an end cap at like home Ur- urban or outfitters. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, totally. this is this is totally, going to totally, be. Totally. People are like, oh, where am I going to be able to find this game? You're going to be able to walk into a huge variety of stores. Unless yeah. Nintendo just like really, just totally blows this. You could. They're you, going to go beyond. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I know. There's a good chance. <laughs> yeah. If, Anything's possible. But if Nintendo does this right, then 
basically like anything short of a grocery store. You should be able to, to walk into a you know Marshalls mm-hmm. and exactly. you know, in between the women's Lowe's. shoes and the oversized men's belts, there should be a display of these things. Yeah. And this is yeah. the this is what I what I have called this is. This is the Nintendo should put Super Mario Brothers on cell phones. This is it. This is this is like going outside of where it wishes its consumers were and actually going to where they are. Yeah, and people are complaining about the $60 price tag, but as people yeah. have said, this is the Nintendo holiday video game release. How much would that cost? Oh, that's right. It would be $60. People are complaining well, about the $60 price tag are the same people who are complaining that it doesn't have uh, wireless controllers and it doesn't have downloadable games. It doesn't have a cartridge slot. It's like, yeah, but that's going to make it $200. You don't want that. Mm. Go buy a Wii U. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I do see a future in, I think that Nintendo, it's like TikTok, congratulations, you finally made it to the uh, to the dedicated, you know, little mini console market. Great. Um, and in fairness, have done it better than pretty much 100%. Yeah. This is, if you can get over the fact you have to stretch a giant HDMI cable from your TV <laughs> to your person to play it. They're going to sell a lot of those L- NecoLink controller extenders. This is a really nice way to play these games, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, it is, it's nicer than it even really needed to be uh, because because of that sort of casual audience. Oh, yeah. I mean, after. people will still buy those AT Sega systems. Those are trash. Those yep. are hot trash. Those are like <laughs> smoldering <laughs> trash that will melt your hands if you touch them. Yep. This is like a good quality product. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's Nintendo doing Nintendo. Like, they don't do And the do controller crap. is fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, even though this thing has shortcomings that I don't like, I feel like they're mm-hmm. still retaining the quality and the value of these games by presenting them in a way where it's like, these games are important, and you remember them, and they're worth playing again. Instead of just like, here's a keychain with Pac-Man on it, have fun. Yep. Yeah. And again, if they do it the right way, they can, can they can refresh it every year. They can bring out a new model every year with a right. few more they're games. Still, they're still they the can, NES Mini. They with can the take dog advantage controller. Of, of stupid idiots like me who'll just buy all of them. <laughs> um, they can keep. They can constantly keep whatever it is fresh on store shelves, which retailers want. That's why it's Atari Flashback One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven. Because retailers want what's the new thing? What's the new thing? Um, you know, you can always say, "Oh, we added a few more games to it." Like there's, there is a a opportunity to be exploited here. Um, I think the the gloom and doom scenario for the Switch, I think, is that not that they don't do virtual console because I think they will, but that it's just again, it's just like oh, we released Super Mario Brothers for the Switch. Oh, we released Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past for the Switch next week. Oh, we released this, we released that, and it's just the big, <laughs> it's just the big games again. It's waiting for them all uh, again. Um, and it's uh, and it's and it's it's quite frankly, it's the Switch doesn't do well, and Nintendo says they kind of abandon it. But the the rosy scenario here is that the Switch is just the first uh, form factor, the first configuration of a family of Nintendo products that all use the same mobile chipsets, and that you know maybe there will be a much more portable version of this. You know what I mean? Like something that with a smaller screen. You know the buttons kind of built into the screen. That's that's um you know that that is the the, the 3ds successor. And then at that point, they are just selling you games to your account. And you don't when the when the next portable comes out, you don't have to rebuy all the games because it literally just runs all the same games because it's the same system in a smaller form factor. Or for people who don't want the Switch, they release a version that is just a little Apple TV thing that hooks up to your TV. But again, you just log into your account. All the games are there. And and ultimately, hopefully, that is like the the silver lining here that Nintendo has done ha- running 
two separate platforms and selling you the same game on both ends. I, I think that's going to be the case. But the real, like the the golden lining would be if they finally just say, have a downloadable service where you, you know, just, you know, pay a monthly fee oh, sure. and you can play, you know, $15 a month, you can play any old game. And was... they, they charge you 10 bucks a month, $15 a month. They, they just dump the libraries on there. And then if there is a bug in one of the games, they fix it on the server side because you're logging in to play it anyway. And and done. It's like you you shouldn't have to go through. Ton- I mean, this is really about changing Nintendo's mentality in general. Mm-hmm. But it's like you shouldn't have to go through ages and ages and ages of testing on every single game running on the emulator to make sure that it absolutely works perfectly. Just just get it out there and fix it later. They could call it Nesflix. <laughs> I was going to mention that uh, my reference is, is uh, dated. I was going to say I was going to I was going to bring up like a game tab style service, but that seemed too outlandish for Nintendo to ever even want to do. But maybe. They're changing things drastically with the failure of the Wii U. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that would that would be really fascinating if they came out and they said we're doing Game Tap. Um, that would be that would be really interesting because again, what does Nintendo have to offer? Nintendo, first of all, you know, one of the major revenue drivers that Nintendo is not doing is a monthly subscription service. You know, Microsoft yep. has millions of people just paying them apropos of nothing for Xbox Live Gold, whether they use it or not. Um, I'm paying Sony for PlayStation Plus. I'm paying Microsoft for Xbox Live Gold. Nintendo could sign up Switch owners onto some kind of service, and maybe they will for multiplayer gaming. Quite frankly, they should because I, they don't need to do free online multiplayer gaming anymore. Nobody else does it. They should just they should just say, hey, you gotta pay us whatever a year for multiplayer gaming and then and then start giving out free virtual console games like candy or sign them up uh, as you say for that, you know, for that, you know, all you can eat uh gaming service. Maybe they don't do virtual console anymore. Maybe they actually don't sell you individual games anymore and they right. just do the service. Netflix. Um Netflix. Yeah, very good. I mean that is also a possibility. Like, if they really want to radically overhaul what they're doing, they might do that. And they might decide that, you know, sending out individual ROM files for each individual game and selling them isn't what the, how they want to approach this anymore. So, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, say? if they had an Xbox Live-style service that was $10 a month and included, as part of that, total access to the Virtual Console library, I mean... I think they would make a lot of money that way. Maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? I'm not a business person. I I work in video games I mean, journalism, so it's what are my life choices? It's like I don't know. You know, we here in this room are the virtual console whales, right? Like we, if they put out a hundred dollars worth of great games a month, we would spend a hundred dollars a month. Um, but I don't know what percentage of the of the audience we truly mm. are. Um, and I'd be willing well, that, to say that's that why I low. feel like the the all you can eat service makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because if you build it into part of a bigger service with other benefits, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh yes, this all makes sense. I'm getting you know online access and other assorted benefits, and also look at all these games I can play Super Mario Brothers anytime. And so, what do you think? Do you think that they'd be able to do both? Do you think that they'd be able to sell people the good games and then take all of the less good games and put them on the All You Can Eat service, or do you think it would have to be it would have to be one or the other? I think it would have to be one or the other. Yeah. Like if you have an All You Can Eat service that's just like Urban Champion and Iki. Yeah. No, like mm-hmm. who's gonna who's going to pay for that? Right. You've got to have the good stuff right. on there. But I mean, that's fine because 
if you can if you can get like you know a fifty percent attach rate to this service to your console, that's going to be making a lot more money than whatever virtual console games are currently selling. What if hmm, what if Buy Forever was also an option? Like Prime, you know, Amazon Prime has Prime Music, but then they also sell you music. Like, I wonder if wouldn't it be interesting if there was the all you can eat option, and then if it was like, oh, or if you buy this, you can own it mm-hmm. for the duration of your your experience. You know, I don't know. So many possibilities. Yeah. Which will Nintendo explore? Probably none. Probably none. Of We're them. all going to laugh at this in ten years. Yeah, I or, think I, or I, in three months. I think yeah, even if they true. don't, yeah, that's true. Even <laughs> if they don't do the all you can eat service, I feel like the Nintendo. Um, the Nintendo online service where they charge you for multiplayer and then they uh, they give you free games, a couple of free games a month. I mean, that's those those things are the golden handcuffs because with some mm-hmm. with some of those yeah, like those PS services, Plus. yeah, if you cancel the service, you lose access to those games, right? I mean, it's in in certainly in some cases, um, so that's real incentive. Yeah, to, to me, paying. that seems more likely to happen. Um, but I I do like the Netflix model where it's just like here's everything because yeah. people don't like flip through Netflix and think oh these movies have no value because I can watch any of them <laughs> yeah. they're like oh what do I want to watch now it's oh what do I want to play and then you have original programming like what would Nintendo's equivalent of Jessica Jones be I don't know but yeah. I'd be interested to find out right yeah like now Netflix has prestige mm-hmm. TV where it didn't before mm-hmm. and people still want to watch that so yeah. right 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 yeah, uh, very interesting. I mean, you know, again, it's like Nintendo just has this massive, massive, amazing catalog of stuff, and there's multiple ways to do something with that. Um, and then also, really, you also have the, I mean, you know, Frank Cifaldi, Retronaut, has talked about this in his GDC presentation, but um, uh, publishers and, and console holders are, like, scared of emulation. Um, they It would be totally technically possible for, say, Capcom to, like, dump all of their... NES games uh, in an emulator and put them on the uh, PS4, but they don't. Um, and so Nintendo has this like psychological monopoly on things that were released on old Nintendo systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can exploit this if they want to, and, and and in fact have the whole market all to itself if it has the willpower to to really do it again. I would love to see a renewed interest in virtual console on the level that we had from 2006 to 2010, which is when I was complaining about virtual console the most. I, I guess I'm sorry. <laughs> like it's really weird to look back and, and, and be complaining to push it to be better. Um, but like, you know, <laughs> those were like the golden years when they were actually putting out five. Games well, I, I think it's a, I think it just shows that virtual console should have been better, but it didn't get better. It got worse. And that's a it's a big letdown. It could have been it could have been special. Instead, it was just like kind of a thing that sort of farted out into nothing. Well, anyway, so good and bad, happy and sad. That's Virtual Console. That's mm-hmm. been this episode of Retronauts. And we'll revisit it 10 years from now and see what we think. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. And I hope this brought back some fond memories for those of you who have been listening for a long time. It certainly felt like old times to me. 
Um, except I have to produce the episode myself, which I never used to have to do. That sucks. Uh, anyway, thanks, Chris and Bob, for participating in this. Um, why don't you guys tell us your 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 names and everything, all that stuff. I am Chris Kohler, uh, and I have a new version of my old book out, speaking of things that are more than 10 years old. Power Up, How Japanese Video Games Gave the World an Extra Life, originally published in 2004, now available again um, in 2016 with a new chapter and stuff like that. And if you like old video games, you should totally read this, because that is what I talk about. Um, so just go on to Amazon and search for, like, Power Up Chris Kohler, and you'll find it pretty easily. It's also available on Kindle. How about uh, that? Hello, I'm Bob Mackey. I apologize for being quiet on this episode, but like Virtual Console, I'm also dying. <laughs> it's not my fault. I do blame Nintendo, though. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I also write for Fandom, powered by Wikia. You can go to fandom.com to read my writing now. And I also do the podcast Talking Simpsons, a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. You can find that at lasertimepodcast.com every Wednesday. Thank you. And I'm Jeremy Parrish. You can find me on the internet as Jeremy Parrish or Toasty Frog or GameSpy or Telebunny or any of the various other handles that I've adopted over the years. I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the place. Um, you would just delete your website sometimes. Right? I sometimes <laughs> it, sometimes it has to die. Listen. Um, anyway, yeah, I do stuff about video games. It's pretty cool. You should check it out if you want. It's okay. I won't take it personally if you don't. But you're already here listening to this podcast, so you might as well. And, of course, this podcast is made possible by funding through patrons like you, if you're one of our patrons. If not, then maybe you should be. It'd be pretty cool if you helped contribute to making this podcast happen because it's not free. Like freedom, podcasts uh, cost money to make. Men so... died to make this podcast happen. <laughs> Bob is dying right now. You better stand while you listen to this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> with your hand over your heart. Uh, we'll, yes, we'll I am end, dying. We'll end with taps. Um, anyway... Thank you for those of you those thank you to those of you who support us and uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week with a micro episode and in two weeks with a big one. Thanks. Mm-hmm.